We're going to look at one verse. Jesus Christ came to this world for one reason. He came to die on that cross, to be buried and to rise the third day so that the world could know salvation from sin and could have eternal life in heaven. That cross of Jesus Christ makes the difference. It makes the difference eternally, but it ought to make the difference in our life today. How we live, how we think, what we do. Psalm 119, I call your attention to verse 126. It is time for thee, Lord, to work, for they have made void thy law. It is time for thee, Lord, to work. That ought to be the heart's cry of every child of God in 2020. It is time, Lord, for thee to work. I'll be honest, students, I know what I can do. It's not much. I've watched for 47 years in revival work what churches can do. I've seen what man can do. It's not a whole lot. Now, that doesn't mean that God doesn't use men and women. He most certainly does. It doesn't mean that the church is unimportant. It's the very vehicle by which God has chosen to carry out the Great Commission. It doesn't mean that revival meetings are not important. I wouldn't travel on the weekends to preach if I didn't believe that scheduling services and having emphasis on revival and God and, and, and salvation and evangelism was, was not important. But wouldn't you like to see God work? Wouldn't you like to be able to step back at some point in your life Say, I didn't have anything to do with that. God did something. God did something that I couldn't explain. God did something that I could never have manufactured or manipulated. The psalmist prayed, Wilt thou not revive us again? Habakkuk prayed, Revive thy work, O Lord, in the midst of the years. Let the wicked forsake his way, Isaiah said, and the, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, for he will have mercy upon him, and he will abundantly pardon. I believe there are two catalysts to this prayer. Lord, it is time for thee to work, for they have made void thy law. I see first a vision for revival. Lord, it's time for you to work. Do you long today, students, for the truth to be known? Do you long today for lives to be changed? Do you long for homes to be reunited and reestablished and, and sound? Do you long for freedom to worship, for freedom to witness, for freedom to plant a church, to raise a family, to reach a mission field? Do you long for those times in your life? Isaiah said, until the Spirit 
be poured on us from on high and the wilderness be a fruitful field and the fruitful field as a forest. I don't want just a little shower of blessing, young people. I want to see a desert field turn into revival. I want to see something that right now appears to be barren and dry and worthless turn into not only a a, a fruitful field, but a forest. You ever as a kid envision making a winning play in sports? Everybody in here that ever played any sports You spend some time in your driveway shooting baskets or throwing a football or hitting a baseball, envisioning the seventh game of the World Series or envisioning the finals of a a championship game in basketball or envisioning a football field and throwing that pass that wins the game or the Super Bowl, whatever. Everybody envisions in some way making some great play. Those of you that are involved in music, no doubt somewhere along the line you envision playing maybe on the piano or singing a recital piece that was absolutely flawless. In your mind, you could see it. In your mind, you could envision it. And you worked and you, and you, 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 wor- you practiced. Why? To try to accomplish that goal. Have you ever envisioned a date with... <laughs> fill in the blank. Some of you are envisioning along those lines. Have you ever envisioned a happy marriage? How about revival? Does anybody envision revival? Does anybody envision what God could do, what God is able to do, what God has done in the past? One day God took Ezekiel out into a valley he said, Ezekiel, what do you see? Ezekiel looked across that dry, death-filled valley of bones, Ezekiel 37. That valley was filled with bones, skeletons. And God said, Ezekiel, what do you see? And he said, "I, I just see bones, dry bones. And God said, Ezekiel, Can these bones live? Ezekiel said, Lord, thou knowest. In other words, Ezekiel probably thought, no, I don't think so. I don't see any evidence of life here. I don't see any evidence of of anything alive here. Lord, you're the only one to know the answer to that question. Boy, I love that story. As Ezekiel stood there and watched God do something miraculous, as bone came together with bone, flesh began to form and sinew began to form in those bones, and and God said, breathe upon those bones, and he he breathed, blew upon those bones, and breath came into those bones, and there stood up a mighty army to picture the land of Israel that God was going to bless. Listen, would some of you today look across the landscape of America and across the landscape of the world, and today perhaps all we see is bones, but would we say to God, Lord, thou knowest... 
Perhaps God could bring some bone to bone and flesh to flesh and sinew to sinew and bring breath, bring the Holy Spirit of God into our nation once again and into our world once again and bring a mighty revival. It was a vision for revival that was a catalyst to this prayer. But the second catalyst perhaps is a little more easily seen, the void of righteousness. He said, it is time for thee, Lord, to work, for they have made void thy law. Sometimes it's easier to see the present situation that we're in. We see the unrighteousness. We see the destruction. We see the division. And we we want God to do something. In our generation, we've never seen really what God can do on a national scale. But we certainly see on a national scale the problem. We see the destruction, and it is described so vividly in the Word of God. As it is written, there's none righteous. There's none that seeketh after God. They're all gone out of the way. They're together become unprofitable. There's none that doeth good. No, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues, they've used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace have they not known. There's no fear of God before their eyes. Does that describe the American street today? Does that describe the attitude of America today? It certainly does. You can go back further into the Word of God. In Isaiah 59, he says, Our transgressions are multiplied before thee, and our sins testify against us. For our transgressions are with us, and as for our iniquities, we know them. In transgressing and lying against the Lord, speaking oppression and revolt, Conceiving and uttering from the heart words of falsehood. And judgment is turned away backward and justice standeth afar off. For truth is fallen in the street and equity cannot enter. Isaiah said, woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. That put darkness for light and light for darkness and bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Woe unto them that are mighty to drink wine. And listen to what he says. Which justify the wicked for reward and taketh away the righteousness of the righteous from him. This week, one particular politician gave millions of dollars to free 32,000 felons in Florida so they could vote in the next election, which justify the wicked for reward. It's a federal crime to give something to get someone's vote, but that's where we are which justify the wicked for a reward and take away the righteousness from the righteous. We haven't even named a nominee for the Supreme Court, but already, whoever it is, their faith is already being tested. They've already written the document just with a blank for the name. 
They've already decided righteousness is going to be stripped from anybody that would be nominated for that position. We are right where God predicted we would be. And it's time, Lord, for thee to work. For they have made void thy law. If there's a place that ought to understand this, it's West Coast Baptist College. If there's a group in this country anywhere that desires revival, it ought to be this group in this parking lot on September 24th, 2020. You say, well, Dr. Getsch, what can we do? I'm just a freshman in college. I haven't even completed Old Testament sermon. I'm a senior, but I'm scared to death about the future and the ministry, and I don't know where I'm going, and I don't even know who I'm going to marry. I haven't even had a date yet. What can I do? What can we do individually? What can we do collectively? When I read the Bible, God says in Ezekiel 22, I sought for a man. A man. He's just looking for one. I'm sure he'd take more. But I sought for a man that would stand in the gap and make up the hedge that I might not destroy it. I don't know God's calendar. I don't know God's timetable. I don't know what God's thinking this morning. But if his word is true, he's still looking for that man. He's still looking for that one. He's still looking for that individual that will believe God. By faith do what God asks us to do. We see the problem. So how can we, as students at West Coast Baptist College, be part of the solution? Dr. Shetler, you come and finish the message. Do you have a vision for revival? Because there's no question there's a void of righteousness. We need it. In that parking lot right over there after a college chapel, when I was pastoring First Baptist Santa Maria, Dr. R sat in the car and said to me, Brother Shuttler, did you ever think about going back to college work? Did you ever think that God brought you to California maybe to come to West Coast Baptist College. I looked him in the eye and I said, no, I never thought that. I think the Lord has me pastoring in First Baptist Santa Maria. He said, I'd like to have you pray about it. Pastor Chapel's praying that you come to West Coast Baptist College. That drive back to Santa Maria that afternoon, I did think one thing. So I don't know what's going to happen in the future. And I don't know if I am going to go back or not. But I know that every Saturday morning in Pensacola, Florida, I met with six, seven, eight, nine men. And every Saturday morning in my office, I prayed for revival on the campus of Pensacola. I prayed for revival in Escambia County. And I prayed for revival in Florida. 
And every Saturday morning for 12 years, I prayed for revival in America. And I often thought, God, it could start on a college campus if it's ever going to start anywhere. And I will tell you, I told Pastor Chapel no, that I wasn't coming to West Coast about a month later. But I left it open. And I often thought, you know, God, if you brought me back to college work, maybe that would be the answer. Maybe we would see it at West Coast. Maybe that spark would start. The other day I was watching the news and it was amazing what I heard. The smoke from California had reached the eastern coast and the sun was haze like it is here. And I went like, how does that happen? How do you get the smoke from here to the east coast? And the wind drives it. What to God a fire would start on this campus that would take off throughout our country? What to God something would happen? Dr. Getch gave me his two points. He sent me a text. He said, I'm preaching from Psalm 119, a vision for revival and a void of righteousness. So I would like to have you take your Bibles and turn to Exodus 32 and see a voice for repentance. A voice for repentance. I believe that Exodus 32 really makes a lot of Bible theologians and scholars struggle. They want so badly to kind of figure this out, this thing of God, and who God is and how God operates. And I think all of us try to figure this thing called prayer out. Does my voice really matter? I sat in the surgery pre-op room at Palmdale Medical Center on December 15, two years ago. And just before I went under for double knee replacement, Dr. O'Donnell looked at me and he said, now you know, I believe very well you're a candidate for double knee replacement. I also believe that I've done over 700 of these and I feel very confident about this surgery. But he looked at me and he said, you know, Jim, I don't know what will happen with your legs after this surgery for certainty. I've done this surgery. I think you're a good candidate for double. But I don't know what will happen. There is the possibility you'll never walk again. And I said to Dr. O'Donnell, I can do without my knees, but I can't do without my voice. College students, every one of you got a voice. And you need to take your voice and you need to use it for the cause of Christ. But before you use your voice in Antelope Valley or behind a pulpit, you need to use your voice to go to God. Because it starts this way before it ever starts this way. God is done with Israel in Exodus 32. Well, now, Brother Shuttler, we know that he's omniscient and we know that he knows what's going to happen and I do know that oh I know that but I am telling you either our God is lying to Moses or 
There is a way that you can get a hold of God with your voice. Moses doesn't have a clue what's going on with his brother. He doesn't have a clue that they all started building a golden calf and they're living and they're partying in absolute, absolute sexual immorality. He doesn't have a clue of any of that going on. All he knows is what God says in Exodus 32, verse 7. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go get thee down for everyone together. What's the next little word for what? Thy. I'm done with them. They're not mine anymore. Moses, they're yours. I've had it with these chosen people. I have shown my power. I have provided. They are no longer mine for thy people, which thou brought us out, out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way. Look down to verse 10. Now therefore, what do you say to this college student? Let me alone. This is God. That my wrath may wax hot against them. And that I may consume them, and I will make of thee a great nation. My covenant that I made to Abraham, I'll fulfill through you. I'm done with these people. And everyone in this, please listen, college student, would you look at verse 11? And Moses, everyone together, what's the next word? And Moses what? Besought. The Lord is God. He went to God with his voice and he prayed. And notice the very first thing he does and said, Lord, why doth thy wrath wax hot against thy people? God, this is not about me. This is not about praying that one day we don't have to wear masks. This is not about, we need to become a little more conservative in America. This is about God. And this is about revival. And this is not about politics. This is about God taking over the land that we believe he started. Man, we've got to understand. Well, look what happens. He goes all the way through. He goes through the promises, and, and college students, you need to get a hold of this. He, he quotes to God the promises that God has made and the things that God has done. I encourage you to use your voice to tell God who he is, what he's done, and what, and what his promises say. Get a hold of a promise for revival for this election, for what's going on in America, and pray that promise to God. Remember Abraham, Isaac. And look at verse 14, the voice. The voice for repentance. Oh, this is to pray that people will repent. Use our voice so that people will repent. No college student. This is to pray that God will repent. Well, Brother Schaller, he's immutable. He doesn't change. That's not what the word repent means there. The word repent there is a strong breath. It is a, oh, 
or an ah. It is God saying, God can't change. But God can repent and your voice needs to pray, oh dear God, would America change so that you could go, ah, God shed his grace on thee. I could bless America again and it starts with a voice. Do you realize you can say, I don't care who you are. I don't care what theologian. I don't care how scholarly you are. I don't care how much more of the word of God you know than I know. All I know is one man prays and God decides not to destroy Israel. And college student, I believe this. I believe one person under that tent, one person under this tent, one person in this section can pray and move the heart of God. I believe there is a voice for repentance that needs to cry out to God and ask God. There's another one. I'd give anything to be able to walk through this prayer with you. But I just want you to see two things from it. You've got to turn to Daniel chapter 9. In Daniel chapter 9, there's a new administration. Darius has now taken over. The Medes and the Persians now run the world instead of the Chaldeans and Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel somehow, someway, by this incredible revelation, is given visions of the future which his whole body, spirit, mind, and everything is so worn out after what he sees what's going to come in the future. And in Daniel chapter 9, he picks up what apparently he had not found before, and that was the book of Jeremiah. And as he reads the book of Jeremiah, he understands why they're in captivity. And then he does something in Daniel chapter 9 after reading Jeremiah. And look with me, if you would, at verse 3. And I set my face unto the Lord, the Lord God, to seek by prayer and supplications. You know, that's interesting. Outside of the Philippians 4, 6 passage, every time supplication is mentioned, it's always in the plural form. Prayer is what we're doing. Supplications are the specific requests that we ask. Get specific with your prayers. Do not pray this prayer. God, bring revival to America. Do not pray that prayer. Give a supplication. Give a specific request. If we need to become more pro-life, whatever you believe needs to happen, give your supplications, not just a prayer of revival. Be specific with your request to God. I, I really, I just think it's so interesting. And I set my face onto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth. Now, I need, you need to see this. Verse 4, and I prayed unto the Lord my God, and I made confession. You know what? You need to confess your sins. Yeah, this America, this place is really, yeah, what he said, a void of righteousness. Why don't we look and start with the void of righteousness in our own hearts? Why don't we see our complaining spirit, our lustful eyes, our anger, our unforgiveness, our bitterness, our, our cruelty to each other? Why don't we see the void of righteousness, first of all, here? 
He confessed his sins. Some students have recently trusted Christ as their Savior. I'm thinking, God, we got more people praying now. We got more believers on our campus now. God's doing something, college student. Not everyone here needs to be saved, but every one of us need to use our voice for repentance to God. Look at verse number five. We have sinned and have committed iniquity and have done wickedly and have rebelled even by departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments. The prayer goes on. It's the longest prayer in the Old Testament. Look over at verse 13 and we'll be done with this point. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this evil is come upon us. Look at this, college students. With everything that happened to our land and our country, with everything that Israel went through, yet may we not our prayer before the Lord our God. We did everything, but we never made our voice for repentance to God. We never prayed. College student, prayer and college students usually don't mix. Because college students want to do. But I want to tell you something. We've got to get a group of college students that say no. Prayer is what we need on this campus more than anything else. We need to take that voice and go to God. Yet, isn't that an amazing indictment? In everything that happened to our nation, we made not our prayer before the Lord. I would give anything, but it isn't going to happen. I would give anything that one of those press conferences would just stop for a moment. And someone would say, hey, let's just take a moment. Instead of Dr. Fauci coming up here, could we just take a moment and ask God to help us? Could we just, and you say, oh, young Oh, Brother Shelley, that'd be amazing. Well, I got a feeling it ain't going to happen. But it needs to happen here. And you need to do it. You need to take your voice. Well, I'm just one person. And so was Moses. And God answered Moses' prayer. And God will answer your prayer, young person. A voice for repentance. And then finally, take your Bibles and turn to 1 Timothy chapter 2. I've got one more point. A vote. For a respite. A vote for a respite. Now listen, college students. We do not live at the time that Paul lived. We do not have the government yet that Paul was under. We do not have the Roman Empire as over us. We still have a God-given privilege in the United States of America. And I believe so strongly we need to take our voice and pray for repentance. But I am going to tell you something, college student. Shame on you if you do not utilize the other opportunity that we have. We can vote. Do you realize what the Christians that never through generations never had the privilege to decide those rulers over them? They were called to pray, pray for the kings that are over us, but they didn't have what we have. Look at verse 1, I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, and this is a very interesting word, 
intercessions. This Greek word is not what you normally think of as intercessions. This is to actively intervene, actively get involved with your prayers. Man, we need to get involved with our prayer. Don't be praying for America if you're not voting in America. You need to intervene. You need to intercess. You need to get involved with your prayers. They, they couldn't do this back in this Bible time. They couldn't, all they could do was pray for their leaders. We can vote. We can get involved. And then look what it says. For kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. And everyone always stops right there. Yeah, we need to pray for the authorities. We need to pray for the elected officials over us that we can live quiet and peaceably life with godliness, Eusebia, godlikeness, and honesty. Yeah, that's a good, yeah, that's good. Would you look at the next two verses? For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come under the knowledge of the truth. College students, the reason why we're praying for peaceable, quiet lives is so we can share the gospel. The reason why we pray for authority over us to take the restrictions off the church is so that we can share the gospel. Do you understand? Don't be praying that your life becomes a little easier. Pray that we can live quiet, peaceable, godly lives so the gospel of Christ can get out. We still have freedoms, but they're being taken away from us. College student, you need to voice for repentance, and you need to vote for a respite. And I use the word respite because it is a, a, a short period of delay. We've read the rest of the story. We know what's going to happen. What did God he would give us, as he has for the last four years, another respite. God, would you give us a respite? Put the right Supreme Court justices on. God, give us a president that will give us a respite that we can continue. Lord, we know that this isn't going to be like this forever. We know what the, what the final chapter is. We know about the tribulation. We know that you're coming back for your bride. But God... Would you give us a respite? And I will do everything I can for that respite. I'm going to vote. I'm going to tell others to vote. I got a lot of friends back home that haven't even registered yet. I'm going to call them. God, give us a respite. A place, I think he did for four years. That night, I, the night that Trump was elected president and Pennsylvania went, I said, he's going to win. And I went back to my room. Marilee and Luke had already gone to bed. And I weeped. And I wept. And I said, dear God, you're giving us four years. May we be stewards of the four years. Do you realize, college students, we have more rights right now and freedoms under this administration that is for the church? Oh, college student, we need to vote for a respite and we need to voice for repentance because there is a void of righteousness and you guys need to get a vision for revival you need to believe what God can do just takes a flip
My backyard has just been all dead weeds. All summer long, I thought, boy, if somebody throws one match in my backyard, it's going up. And I got piles of wood for the, for the campfire thing. And I said, my backyard. But I didn't have anything to knock it down. Finally, I just made this homemade drag thing, and I dragged it all down, and I got it all down finally. And I thought, honestly, when I was dragging that, I said, if I threw a match out in my backyard, the whole backyard would go. I wouldn't have to get a little paper. I wouldn't need a little gasoline. I could literally have put a match. I think we're there. College students, I think this country so badly desires an answer. You have got to get your eyes off yourself and see a harvest field that's ready to kindle, that's ready to burn. And we have got to be the match. We've got to see the Lord do something. Would you voice your repentance and would you vote for a respite? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed.